Welcome to the latest Blue is the Colour uh, podcast, Chelsea fans. Um, I'm Tom Marshall-Bailey, hosting again this afternoon, and I'm joined by Ollie Harbord, Chelsea writer. Good afternoon, Ollie. Afternoon. And Kevin Burns with us again. Good afternoon, Kev. How are you? Good afternoon. I'm all right. How are you? Good stuff. Yeah, not too bad. Um, a, a pretty interesting sort of 10 days or so for Chelsea, given a mixture of results, a a disappointment against Palace, which I don't think many people saw coming, really, particularly given, you know, I know Sam Allardyce has really picked up their form um, over the last few games, but it was a, a bit of an inauspicious start for him there. And then the Man City game, massive, massive victory. And then to follow that up against Bournemouth, it was, uh, you know, six points from nine. Is that a return that Chelsea fans will be happy with from those three, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. If, if they were going to drop three points, you weren't expecting it to be a bit into Palace. But I think uh, what Conte will be most satisfied with is that is the way they bounce back against City. I mean, a lot of talk, obviously, um, after the Palace game of was this now the, the time that Chelsea might blip in form? Uh, Spurs were obviously putting a bit of pressure on. They're in, they're in decent form. And then, of course, they had that unbelievable comeback against Swansea that night. Um, so the way they responded against Pal- uh, against City, sorry, in, in a really professional manner, got the job done. Big name players came up and, and did the job that they they needed them to do was was superb. And then you know against Bournemouth, it was going to be a tricky afternoon. Uh, they've obviously learned the, what the Spurs result was as well, so there was always that in the back of their minds to cut down to four points. So they had to go and get another win there. And uh, yeah, it was a really professional performance. Uh, a lot of credit to Bournemouth. I thought the way Eddie Howe set up and the way they played, they really gave Chelsea a good go. Benica Fobi hitting the post and and a good good finish from Josh King. And but it was just a you know again a professional performance from Chelsea and and some the team really stuck together. And there were some big performances, but also from those players that maybe haven't been under the spotlight as many others. You know, Marcus Alonso had a brilliant game on the left and. And that free kick was as good as any you're going to see in the Premier League this year. So, just sorry to interrupt. Just Don Alonso. There've been the links with Jordi Alba this week. Um, uh, Benjamin Mendy as well at Monaco. Someone that Chelsea supposedly have looked at. Do you think it's a little harsh that Conte? I, obviously, we know he needs to strengthen, but it, it sounds as if, from you know, if, if you do believe the rumours, that his mind's more or less made up in that he sees that as a position Chelsea have to strengthen. Do you think that's a little harsh on Alonso? Well, I think they have to strengthen it, definitely, for squad depth, if not anything else. I mean, I guess the problem, if you're a left-back or a left-wing-back at Chelsea, you're always going to be compared to Ashley Cole, aren't you? And, you know, Alonso is not Ashley Cole. Um, Very few left-backs are around in the game at the moment. And, um, you know, he's a different style of player. He's a different sort of player. Um, He's come under some criticism from fans over over the season, but he's popped up with some really important goals. I think that's... Five goals now for the season, um, which is a really good return from that role. The goals and, at Leicester, the goal against yeah, Arsenal. Yeah, absolutely. Big goals. He has, big come up, he has come up with some big goals. And he's just an important... He's become an important player. And, of course, they have to strengthen because the only person that can come into that role, really, is is Nathan Ake, is a natural left-footer in that role. Um, so it is somewhere they have to strengthen. And it would be harsh on Alonso to go straight out the side, as he has in the last couple of games, really proves, proved his worth. But... You know, it is somewhere that Conte will have to sort of strengthen. With, uh, I, sorry, I think uh, asking if it's a bit harsh whether or not you need to replace who is arguably the weakest link in that team. Okay. If you take that kind of mentality of it's harsh when someone's doing their job okay and don't replace That's them. That's when you stagnate and stall. You end up with Arsenal. 
that's what happens. That's what has happened to Arsenal over the last few years. And Chelsea really value the ruthlessness that Antonio Conte has. And this is where it's going to come in, where you're going to, he's going to have to change a winning formula before the others catch up with them. And a lot can happen over a summer when other teams have a chance to watch back over a whole season of Chelsea playing with a with a back three or back five, however you want to look at it. It's going to be very different next year. You're going to see more teams adopt it and you're going to see more teams ready for it than they were this year. And he knows it a bit. And they're going to be able to expose someone like Alonso a lot more next season. So I don't think it's harsh, but it's a harsh, like elite sport is a harsh world. And if you can't deal with it, then you're not going to make it. Who who do you think is most culpable then, Kevin, in that eleven? Alonso, Matic, Diego Costa. He's had a bit of criticism for his form recently. Diego Costa's on a very poor run of form right now, but he still has that quality that if he finds himself again, he is world class. Do you think the players they've been linked with, so Lukaku, Morata, Alexis Sanchez, obviously, although whether Conte is earmarking him for a forward role or on the wings, we don't know. Yeah, are those players that you would instantly expect to displace Costa from the starting line? Uh, it's it's hard to say. I think Lukaku would be my favourite one of of the three as a striker. I think Alexis Sanchez is a great player, but I'm not fully sold on him being a striker. I just I don't think that it's it really suits his game to the best of his abilities. He's a great winger, cutting him off the wing. Uh, Murata has kind of bounced around a lot. He's not really had a chance to settle, so it's a bit unfair to judge him in that way. But, you know, a team like Chelsea doesn't have a whole lot of time for how old's Murata now, 24-25, for him to find himself. I think Lukaku knows the Premier League. He's got a proven goal-scoring record. He just needs to prove that he can do it in the big games, which he's not really done yet. He kind of... When he comes up against top class opposition, he seems to struggle a little bit because he does, he does rely on his kind of brutish. I I I don't want to stereotype him in that way. I really don't. But th- there does seem to be just something slightly missing in that when he when he's playing against lower league opposition, and even just further down the Premier League, he is so physically gifted that even when his touch is a bit off. He has the pace to make up for it, or he has the strength to push someone off who's battling with him for it. So he needs to just iron out those tiny little things, and it is small margins. But you know, top of the Premier League, that's a game of small margins. So you know, he's still very young, there, and of course, he, there is he's that. and Conte could be the kind of guy who could get that out of him. His first time around at Chelsea, he didn't get a proper run of things. With the, with the big game difficulties that he's in kind of encountered be a bit of a problem for you though Ollie given that Chelsea are in the Champions League next season. Yeah, I think, you know, he has he can be described as a bit of a flat track bully, can't he? And and the goals he mainly scores are against, as Kev says, the the teams lower down in the division. Um and I think that would be a, would be something of a concern. Obviously Costa knows the Champions League as well. He's played in it before Lukaku's still hasn't had that experience, so there is a question mark over that. Uh, it's just an interesting one when you talk about that as well, and you, you mentioned Matic as well. I think I actually think Matic could be a very useful player for Chelsea next year. He's not a glamorous player. He's not the Cesc Fabregas type, but I think that when it comes to especially Champions League football, he's the sort of player that 
um, Conte might look to to actually shore things up. I mean, if you look at his, his sort of record over the year, and he's, he started way more games than Fabregas, obviously, and, and he, he does prefer him to play in the middle of the uh, middle of the park. And I think, you know, sometimes, you know, I've, I've been critical of the way he plays. You know, I think on the ball sometimes it's very frustrating to watch him play because he doesn't have that range of passing, and sometimes he's not very adventurous with that. It's very side to side. But in the Champions League, he could be a very useful player. And I think that Matic is one that I actually think Conte will keep over the summer. I mean, obviously, it does depend on who they do bring in, but he could be a useful squad player in, in sort of rotation for those bigger games. Yeah. I think for me, though, in the Champions League, you might rather have someone like Fabregas or even just try to find someone pacier than the two of them. Because you watch how Leicester have got on with their kind of counter attacking style. And they've been struggling in the Premier League because, again, People adapt, teams adapt. So this opinion might be outdated by this time next year. I don't know. But they seem to have had a lot of success with kind of quick breaks, which do rely on, you know, a, a bit of range of passing. So maybe Fabregas would be a better yeah, option. Yeah, a bit. But I mean, Matic has played, I mean, Chelsea have played a lot of the, the counter-attacking football this season anyway, with Matic in the team. I, yeah, I, less, I don't the, think... Unless the game. Yeah, I, I don't think he's... I don't think Chelsea need him to be a counter-attacking team, if you know what I mean. Their counter-attacking yeah. comes through the front three of I, Pedro and the, and, and, and the wing-backs and where Kante wins the ball. I, I think the big worry when you've got Matic in that eleven is is teams like Palace in some respects that are going to cede possession to Chelsea and say, yeah. come on in, break us down, see what you can do. Well, um, Yeah, I mean, as I said after the game, the way that they played with Fabregas, Kante and Matic didn't quite work because Palace targeted Fabregas and didn't let him get the ball. They let, allowed Matic the, the, the majority of possession. He had probably more touches than anyone. And, you know, he didn't have that range of passing to break down. When they eventually took Matic off and Fabregas was in a more traditional role as we've seen Chelsea play this year, it was too late by then. They'd already set up with five, six at the back and it was difficult to break down. And you're right, that's the one thing with Matic is they will allow Matic to have more possession of the ball. And I think that's his range of passing is, is the next step to his game for that. Just going back to on the field at the weekend, how impressed were you with the way in which Spurs laid down a significant marker, I felt, at lunchtime? They, they, in fairness to them, they keep going, they keep chugging along, mm. but so did Chelsea. And I think the way, for me personally, I think the way they responded was just brilliant. They, that, that was a performance of champions to go to Bournemouth, which, OK, Bournemouth are a team that are going to, give you opportunities they're not particularly solid defensively and Chelsea certainly cashed in on that but it's not the easiest test on paper and I think the way they went there and and just really bossed the game and even after the um, the Josh King goal I, I didn't ever feel like Chelsea were in a position where they really looked as if they were going to let it slip no not really and I, th- I think you know Spurs are doing this at the moment where they just are applying the pressure every so often I mean the way that they've dealt without Harry Kane I think a lot of people might have thought that Kane being injured would see their season capitulate but the the fact that Deli Ali, Christian Eriksen um, Son have all really come alive and and kept them in this race is you've got to give them a little bit of credit for that so there's always you feel like from now until the end of the season or until Chelsea mathematically do actually clinch the title hopefully that will come that they just will keep adding that little bit of pressure. It will happen again this weekend. You know, Spurs have got Bournemouth at home. You'd expect them to go and win that game. And it's the half-twelve kickoff again. It's, it's a half-twelve, and and but then United uh, 
obviously Chelsea United on the Sunday. Well, it's interesting so, on that as well, by the way, because Pochettino last season moaned about the fact that Spurs always had to play after Leicester and, and the psychological oh. kind of blow that he felt it often gave to his his teams. Yeah. He's, he, he Admittedly, he caveated that by saying, OK, I'm looking at the fixture list now, and this was a couple of weeks ago, he said, I'm looking at the fixture list now, and it's a lot fairer for us this season than it was last year. I don't hear Conte moaning at all about it. He seems to just be getting on with the job. Well, he said after the Bournemouth game that he enjoys the pressure, that he thrives on the pressure, that if there's no pressure there, he makes sure there is, because he thinks that that's when players perform at their best and he performs at his best. I mean, without being too con- uh, conspiracy theorist, you know, you could look at these television fixtures and think they're doing that a little bit to make sure that there's some sort of thing to talk about, some sort of pressure really to apply on Chelsea. And I think that maybe is the case in some ways. But yeah, I mean, they don't seem to be cracking. There's no there's no obvious signs of, of form dipping. I mean, obviously Diego Costa has come in for a bit of um, criticism from the last few games. Um, he's not hit the goal scoring heights that he, that he once was. He's now what three games three goals out of eleven games, which is not yeah. a great return when you're looking for your striker to see you over the line. Uh, obviously he had a great first half of the season. But they do, they just keep ticking along and, and they keep chalking off the games, seven points for seven games to go, and you, you don't see massive cracks really starting to show. And when you've got Eden Hazard in the form of your life. <laughs> Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. What? What a what a beautiful player. He really is just yeah. fabulous to watch. And yeah, part of the reason why. I mean that that goal at Bournemouth was it's just brilliant. Was lovely. Yeah. No, he's 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 not human. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what's going Although on. Although that is that is probably a description that's probably put on N'Golo Kante mm. more often than not this season. So for you to say that about Hazard. I mean, that comparison is going to probably come up in this podcast, I would, yeah. I would assume. Well, I um, thought, actually, interesting, the other end of that, I thought Kante, his pass for Hazard's goal was bloody fabulous. He doesn't get enough credit, <laughs> was, yeah. does not get enough credit no. for that element of his game. No. There, is this, there is this, in my mind, theory that he is a destroyer and... He just gives little five-yard passes. Well, I think that's as you know, as Conte said though, over the course of the season, that that's the one area of his game that he's trying to change. And you can see that with the Man United goal. You can see that with his pass, as Kev says at Bournemouth for the weekend. That maybe he's just starting to add that bit more of that to his game. And if he does start adding, it and he can start spraying those, I mean, he's very good at picking the ball up and spraying it out to the left or right wings. He seems to have got that into his game, but yeah. without it being a threatening pass, you know, it's just opening up the play and 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 getting the wing backs into their into their roles. But to, for as Kev says, to to be able to find that pass and pick out the really crucial pass that maybe a Cesc Fabregas will do, then that's yeah, that's just adding to his game even more. Yeah, it's it's interesting because they do seem to be two front runners for the player of the year chat you know you might have someone like Deli Ali in there as well but it it usually goes to a team that wins the league unless you know you had a situation back like 20 years ago when Ginola wins player of the year because the United vote was so split between the, the whole team basically <laughs> but uh, yeah I think it's it seems to be pretty much between Hazard and Kante this year and honestly Splitting hairs? It, I think I'd probably go for Kante just because he's been on brilliant form all year round, whereas 
Hazard has had sort of patches. His patch, his grey patches have been unbelievable. I think we've discussed his his little dips actually mm. on this podcast. There've yeah. been a few times when his form has been called into question, and and, he... and and around the Arsenal game, he scored that brilliant goal. But you know, either side of that game, he was having a bit of trouble. And we we talked about how that's his class. That even when he was kind of struggling for form, he could still pull a goal like that out of his hat. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I think you know when it comes to things about player of the year I think people have very short memories and sometimes it becomes player of the last few games and I don't think that's right I think you have to look at obviously the whole season and also last season in in terms of you know what Kante did for Leicester and he's just carried that on for for Chelsea and his level has been so high and been such a key part of what has made Chelsea good this season that he has to I mean you know there, there there are still seven games which is obviously a large chunk of the of the campaign, and if he does suddenly dramatically drop off form, then people might be questioning it. But you just can't really see that at the moment. And I thought even at Bournemouth, he was back to his actual proper best as well. Can you remember him having a bad game other than Spurs? Other than Spurs, I can only. I didn't. Palace, he didn't quite dominate us. Think as much as people would have liked him to have done. I think that's 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 the level. That's the point, though, isn't it? The, your level you expect him to be is to dominate midfields in every game. And even when he doesn't, even when he's still having a yeah. good game, but not dominating, you're kind of thinking, oh, is there something wrong with N'Golo? But there's not, really. Um, I think that back to Bournemouth, he was he was back to that, you know, really getting in and stuck into the players and that pass for Fabregas. And he was just all over the pitch again. And that's, that's when he's at his real best. I think it's going to be really interesting next season, seeing how he handles having Champions League football, playing two games a week. Yeah. Because he's never had to do that before. Yeah. Mm. And... You know, Leicester are doing that this year, but he he went off to Chelsea, so that'll be interesting. And it'll, you know, it'll give Conte a chance to put pressure on himself to to rotate that squad a bit. Conte mm. gets your vote, then does he, Oli? Conte gets my vote. Yeah, at the moment, I just don't. I just think for his levels throughout the season, I just he still edges it for me over Hazard. I think Hazard has been absolutely brilliant, and also it'd just be nice to see a player in that position get the get the award Absolutely. for once. I mean we talk about I mean obviously goals and assists are such a big crucial part of the game, but someone like Kante who has been such a crucial part of Chelsea's season, for him to get the recognition that he deserves, I don't think if it's not going to happen this season, I don't really see when a player like that is going to get another chance no. to, to to be given the award that he deserves. And just speaking of Hazard, um fresh rumors this week about Real Madrid confidence increasing. Mm. Um I I Still feel like he probably will stay. I, 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 I guess I worry for for Chelsea that there is that obvious temptation, and as much as clubs and fans try and hide it, Ronaldo at United, Bale at Spurs are the most obvious examples of teams will cave if if the money gets to a certain point. Where where do you, where do you think? Chelsea stand on it at the moment and what do you think will happen? I think the only the only way he'll go is for a world record fee. I can't see it being any that's less than absolutely. that. Absolutely. He's what 26? Yeah, uh, he's he's hitting his you know, he should be hitting his prime. He's obviously he's, he's shown some great form as well. Uh, uh, there's only a few ways that Chelsea can keep him. That's, you know, upping his current contract which is about 200 grand a week to to 300 grand depending on who they bring in over the summer as well. I think you've got a, you know, they need to show some ambition in the transfer market yeah. to show that they, they can really compete in the Champions League. That's a big... Obviously, he, he will want to win the Champions League. He's already won the Premier League. 
you, do you think also with with him? I'm not saying he is the the sole piece of the jigsaw at Chelsea, but there is that element of he is the stardust in this team. Yeah, well, do you, they, do you, do you, I was just going to say, do you, do you think? It's it's something that Gareth Bale obviously struggled with massively when he first moved to Real Madrid, kind of being in Cristiano Ronaldo's shadow. Do you think that's something that would Hazard to me seems like a pragmatic thinker, someone that's has you know that sensibility to look at that situation and think I'm gonna I'm gonna be a cog there. I'm not gonna be an integral part of that team. I'm just gonna be another member of it. Yeah, I think I think you're right. It's it's a funny one with that, isn't it? You, you're hard to know what a player's mentality really is like when it comes to that. And what, but I think it, you know he will want the ambition of winning a Champions League. Yeah. And you know he needs to. He will want to win that either with Real Madrid or with Chelsea or what. But they have to show the ambition that Chelsea are going to do it. I mean, the other way as well you've got to think about it is if they throw Morata into the mix in some sort of deal, mm. which could be quite you know could plus money obviously, but. Whether that sort of sweetener is enough to really tempt Chelsea into thinking, okay, maybe somewhere we can look to replace uh, Hazard. I don't know where you find another Eden Hazard, but yep. you know maybe they think they can and get Morata in as part of the deal. Maybe that might tempt tempt them a little bit. I, I don't really know. I just think he's such a crucial part, and it's such a, a show of ambition if they can keep Real Madrid at bay and keep Eden Hazard. Yeah, I, th- I think it was impressive that they kept him. This season, when they had no Champions League football, it would be a strange one for him to jump ship now that they're back in the Champions League. And like Tom said, I don't know where he would fit into that Real Madrid team because they already have Ronaldo and they have Gareth Bale. And it's, I don't see how you can have Hazard and Bale in the same team. It doesn't make sense. They've already invested way too much in Bale to just throw him to the curb. Like, the only way really is if. Ronaldo or Bale went the other way because I think Hazard I do think he has an ego and I do think that that can be fed by saying come to Real Madrid we're the biggest club in the world you can be the biggest player but at the same time he wants the guarantee that he is going to be the biggest player and I think he can look at that team and see that he won't be you know I think honestly I think a move to someone like PSG would be more likely than Real Madrid in their current state uh, just because he needs to be the fulcrum of whatever team he's playing for. And I think he has played enough times with Belgium to know how frustrating it can be yep. not being in a team that works, that is just a group of individuals. So, And I think he, thri- I think he thrives off that responsibility. That's what it looks like to me um, at, at yeah. the moment. He looks like he's looking at Diego Costa in poor form. Pedro, who's been great, let's, let's not pretend otherwise, but his form has... Over the past week, I think it's fair to say, obviously won the penalty against City, but his form over the past week has been called into question a little bit. Mm. He's looking at Costa badly out of form. He's he's picking up the baton and he's he's seizing it and he's leading Chelsea's title charge. He's a big game player, and that's the thing. You know, you look around the Premier League, and, and you know, that's one of the questions about Mesut Ozil, wasn't it? About is he a big game player? And that's the difference between is that still those... a question. No, not really anymore. Uh, fair <laughs> enough. Spoiler it originally was a question. Um, no, he is, and and that's that's what you need, and that's why 
that's why Chelsea just have to keep hold of him because he is the sort of player that he will try and pick up the ball and he'll he's not scared of getting possession when it's you know maybe when things aren't going their way in a big game he'll pick up the ball he'll run at people he'll take the batterings he's the third most fouled player in the Premier League I think or second one of the two Diego Costa is the other one and so he just you know he will go and pick up the baton for Chelsea and, and they need to make sure they keep him in the summer do you think just just moving on to the title race in in, in general, do you, do you do you see Spurs as a big threat? Do you think, I mean, this weekend potentially it could be reduced to four points. I I personally think it will probably be uh, probably be five points to be honest with you because I will come on to predictions in a bit, but I would imagine Chelsea will get a point there. United being the draw specialist that they yeah. are at Old Trafford. Um, do you think this weekend might be a pivotal one? Yeah, I think it will be. I think this is the last real the last real big away test that Chelsea have. I know obviously they've still got to go to Everton. Um but that could be. the title could be done by then, really. Um I think if they can come out this game this weekend with a draw, you know, keep at least five points, I'm pretty sure that will then that should be that. I still think they'll go to United and win. I think they've got. I think they've got. I think they're under Mourinho's skin. I think they've worked out United pretty much. I know, obviously, United will have Zlatan back, and he wasn't at the FA Cup game. And I do. You do have to obviously see Spurs as a threat. Of course, they are. They're the only ones left in the race. So you have to at least consider them a threat. And Conte will continue to consider them as a threat. But they've got this lead, the comfortable lead now. You'd say seven points, and it allows them still the chance to slip up a couple of times in seven games. And if you look at their fixtures, I don't see them doing that. Kev, this Man United team aren't very good. <laughs> They're just not very good. Well, there's the podcast headline. Anyway. Yeah. They're just Chelsea should be beating them. They, mm. I don't really see a threat from anywhere except for Zlatan. I think I. That is another another point. That I think there's such a disparity between first and second, yeah, and third, fourth, fifth, sixth. I I, I well, think I, I think there's there's, there's three strata there. There's yeah. first and second. There's third and fourth, and then there's yeah. fifth and sixth. I agree with you. I, yeah. I think United and Arsenal this season have been embarrassing. I mean, frankly. it was just well, I was watching the Everton game, the second half of the Everton game, and I'm watching Paul Pogba come on at half time, and you know he's then thumping balls from the halfway line. Up to Marilyn Fellaini, and that was their game plan towards the end. And you're thinking, this is a world record signing, and he's, and this is the sort of well, stuff t- we that... talk about Hazard going for a world record fee. If you, <laughs> I mean, I mean, there was an argument that Jamie Redknapp posed about Deli Ali the other day about how much you'd, Spurs could command for him, mm. given Pogba's fee. You take that to a whole new level with. Yeah, I, I, I think this summer could be. Insane. It could be stupid. We could be talking about stupid. I mean, we already are talking about stupid sums of money, really. If you think about it, even from ten years ago, or whatever. I, but I, this could just be a ridiculous. We've one. been talking about stupid fees ever since it went over a few thousand. Yeah, like it is. It's bonkers. But uh, I don't know. I think I, I'm not sure that there'll be that much movement in terms of that, just because that Spurs team seem very tightly knit. They seem to have invested themselves in this project. I don't think that Hazard will be doing any better anywhere else. So this might be one of the years where you see the Premier League flexing its financial muscles and bringing in the big signings. So, but again, you got to see where they're coming from. Could Chelsea go for someone like Dybala, who scored 
beautiful goals last night. Absolutely, yeah. Um, he's very young. He's got all of the raw natural ability. He seems to be a big game player. You know, is this a bit reactionary to him scoring against Barcelona? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's he's a fun guy to watch. And if you're going to let Costa go, which it's seeming increasingly likely that they are, because he's something's not right there. He's scored three goals since that whole game where he kind of famously put a, put his hand to his ear yeah. to kind of talk about the chatter and every, all of that but it seems to have had an impact on him hmm. so you, either I don't think Conte is someone who's, who will you know suffer fools lightly and I think Costa is being a bit of a fool right now so you were asking if it was harsh if they were getting rid of Alonso I think that Conte will go as far as to get rid of Costa if he doesn't think he's going to help the team. Man United predictions, lads. Sorry to just jump in there. That's but all right. Just keen to wrap up quickly. Just um, I personally really, 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 really want Chelsea to end that stupid unbeaten run that they're on yes. with fifteen draws and two wins or whatever it is. Yes. Yeah, and I can see that happening. To be honest, I can see them going there and doing a job and you know hitting them on the counter, hitting them hard and tight game or. Why are you talking? You make it sound like it's no. Uh... I think it'll be. I think it'll be a tight game. Um, you know, I'm probably going to be more interested in watching uh, Conte and Mourinho on the sidelines than the actual match at times. Um, especially like if United have well, if if, line, if United dominate possession, then you it's not going to be the the most enjoyable game to watch. I don't think for t- at times. I'm going to go for. A, I think it'll be a tight game, but I think Chelsea will end up three one winners in the end. Ooh. I think they'll. They'll score. I think they'll score late to maybe gloss, put a bit of gloss on on a victory. I I'm trying to decide. I think Chelsea are getting at two. I'm trying to decide whether or not United are going to score. <laughs> but I do think that this is going to be one of those games that kind of makes you start to think: Has the game passed Mourinho by? Because I think it has. I think you saw in his last season at Chelsea. I don't think his siege mentality works that well anymore. And like you said, he's got. Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Paul Pogba and yet his game plan still seems to be how quickly can we get the ball to Marouane Fellaini lump it up to the big man get it in the mixer and see what happens mm. it's it's infuriating to watch yeah um, so I'm going to say on that basis alone that you're infuriated you're going to predict a defeat presume, for United presumably yeah no I just, I just don't think that they're I don't think they're a good team I don't think they're a well coached team uh, I'm going to say 2-0 to Chelsea the ultimate digger, Jose Mourinho. I'm I'm going to make you a hat trick. I'm going to say one nil Chelsea. I think it'd be really really tight, and I think counter attacking will will be key. But I, I think we're all in agreement that Chelsea are going to strengthen the title chances. Just uh, just to flag up. Um, lastly, before before we close things off, um, next weekend, following weekend, um, FA Cup semi final time, and we'll be producing a, a special podcast in conjunction with our Spurs reporter, Ali Gold, who's been busy um, swanning in, swanning around in, in the States, um, our Spurs reporter. So he's he's been out there. Um, and also the FA Youth Cup final on Tuesday as well. So a bit of a preview towards that against, against Manchester City for third year in a row now. Yeah, so they're playing, obviously, this Tuesday, uh, this Tuesday coming after the Man United game. Yeah. So I'll be at the United game and then staying up in Manchester for a few days, enjoying my time in the, the place where I was born. Uh, and um, Not literally that? the place. I'm not staying in the hotel. Anyway. <laughs> um, 
hotel room. The <laughs> hospital room. <laughs> room one, no, That's very odd. Thanks um, for the clarity. Anyway. No worries. And then, yes, gonna, I'm actually looking forward to seeing City's uh, Academy Stadium. Obviously, a lot of talk about that as well. Yeah. And so I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, but we'll, yeah, we'll have all the action there as well um, this, on Tuesday this, night. This is the Chelsea youth team that beat Spurs 9-2 on aggregate yeah, in the semi-final. It's, it's a pretty exciting team, you've got to be honest. And there's a couple of decent players in that I, team. I mean, I, I watched that game and felt like it was two different age groups. And when, and when I say two different age groups, I mean at, at either end of the spectrum mm. of age groups. That's how embarrassing it was for Tottenham. It was, um, yeah. but, but, Se- 7-1 in the second leg. Like, yeah, and but likewise, City against Stoke was equally mm. just well, so. Well, they're the two leading academies at the moment, though, by far in in England, and and there's no you know, there's no reason else why they're they're getting to these youth cup finals. Nobody's able to able to seem to uh, to get hold of them at the moment, and unfortunately, you just want to see these youngsters come through to the senior levels. Um, maybe so, this is a team that a few of them might do, but. Who's your player to watch then on this youth team? Uh, well, I was at the development game, and Mason Mount obviously is a, a fantastic young talent. He's the captain, he's he? the skipper, yeah. Um, he was brilliant in the in the development game. You know, playing under twenty three level, whatever it was. He's been a star throughout the campaign. Um, I'm a big fan of Trevor Chalibur as well. Obviously, uh, Nathaniel's um, brother, um, very good centre back. He's got a lot of good attributes. But there's there's talent all the way through. That Dujon Sterling. Uh, Ike Ukbo, um Callum Hudson-Odoi, there's so much talent in there. And that's just to name a few, really. So um, hopefully there'll be a few that, that really shine again against Man City and they can take a bit of a lead into the second leg, which I think is the 26th of April at Stamford Bridge. Um, so be sure to join us. I'm assuming probably next Thursday we'll do the pod, won't we? I think, yeah, by the time I'm back down from my... Crazy stuff. So that we'll <laughs> next Thursday for a, a bit of a bumper Chelsea podcast, looking back at the United game, looking back at the Youth Cup final first leg, and also looking ahead to the to the Spurs game at Wembley at the weekend, which we've got loads of stuff lined up for. So um, yeah, please do uh, tune in for that one next week. But that's all we've got time for today. So thank you to Kev for joining us. Thank you. Thank you very much. And cheers to Ollie as well for joining us. Again, thank you. Thank you. I, was, <laughs> I, t- I, didn't, I didn't even know didn't, if I was going to say thank didn't you. Didn't know where I was going then. <laughs> um, just tailing off there. But um, and yes, um, do join us next week for plenty more um, on the Blues the Colour podcast. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>